0: You are listening to The Transport, episode 10. So much blood and damage. The Transport, by Alex Ames. You are listening to The Transport, a sci-fi military action thriller audio book podcast written and performed by Alex Ames. The music throughout the podcast is the song The Last True Boss by Kumiku, available on the freemusicarchive.org. Chapter 34. Sina. When the black smoke engulfed her, Sina finally snapped into action mode and heeded her own command, evacuate and defend. She strapped on her helmet, put a round into her sidearm and fumbled for her rifle that had been fixed against one of the side beams. Her team was a transport team, but still, even with only the required minimum weapon trainings behind their belts, they were the army. She pressed the comms button once more. Dead. Had her evacuate command gone through to her team? The attack had come from the right side of the highway, which made the left side of the MMTUs the best cover. She would find her team there, she hoped. The afternoon heat hit her like a hammer when she left her control cabin and slid down the metal ladder, her backpack and gun slung over her shoulders. The air smelled of burning fuel, rubber and metal and stung with every breath. Visibility was only a few yards, the smoke covered her small mercies. She climbed down one of the huge wheels between the control unit and the power generator and asphalt met her. She zigzagged towards the left side through the rubber jungle of the connected MMTUs, away from the attacker's position and the direct line of fire, hiding as best as she could. She ran into Gherkin, who held his left shoulder, blood seeping from under his hand. He barely could hold himself upright and landed in Sina's arms. She knelt down with him. Shot? Frag from the explosion. Sliced me like a hot knife through butter. "'Girkin groaned. "'Pretty deep, I say. "'I'll go into shock any second, Sarge.' "'Sina sat him down, leaned his upper body against the wheel "'and peeled back some of the fingers. "'Dark red blood seeped in alarming quantity "'from the open, raw flesh. "'No artery hit, judging from the color. "'Move your arm up and down.' "'The young private groaned, "'but could move his arm all right. "'No broken bone. "'You are a shitty comforter, Sarge.' Gherkin said between clenched teeth. I am not the motherly type, I guess. Sina retrieved her emergency pack and started to press a sterile pad on the wound to stop the main bleeding. Ludovic and Casper came running, carrying their full gear. Party time, dudes, Sina said. Ludo, get your ass to the front line and guard us. Make sure that no one gets too close. Support Bristol as good as you can. What am I guarding, Sarge? What happened? Ludovic asked, wide-eyed. All of them had been deployed to crisis zones but never had been in the direct combat situation. No idea, but make sure we are not surprised by anyone as long as we regroup. She looked up at the looming presence of the object that now became slowly visible again as most of the smoke cleared up. Ludovic vanished between the wheels. Occasional shots rang out from the front, most likely Bristol keeping the heads of the bad guys down. Casper, I need your first aid stuff, whatever you have in your backpack, to stop this bleeding. Gherkin coughed. Sarge, I can feel the transport is coming down behind me. Damn it, Sina cursed as she gave the wheel behind Gherkin a glance. The movement of the tire was not visible, but grains of sand kept moving where the tire met the desert ground. It was like watching a sand clock in action. Another problem, but another priority. First, we must secure ourselves. Mac and Private Perkins arrived. She's coming down. I checked for half a minute, and it's been half an inch since we stopped, Perkins said. Old news, Sina greeted him. Mac cursed. Total power outage on the rig. Stop the hydraulic flow and the mass distribution control. Hydraulic seeps back through the pumps as the emergency valves did not engage. Distribution slowly fails. Less mass on the peripheral wheels and more mass on the direct load wheels. If we don't get power back soon and move that transport by at least a yard, she might ground. I'd give it 20 minutes, maybe 30. What happened on your end? Sina asked Mac after she gave him a short sit up. Same on our end of the transport, we've been attacked from two positions south of us. Took out the rangers, no survivors from what I could see, poor bastards. The rear helicopter crashed, the power went out, haven't seen any of the jets yet. Probably crashed too, Bristol managed to send a quick attack status to Central before comms went out. Where is he now? Mac asked. Up front, he shot one of the attackers, Sina explained. No, I'm here. They all turned at Bristol. His face was serious as ever, but he dragged himself barely upright, his left leg was bloody down the whole length. Ludovic is covering the front. Perkins, run down twenty yards towards the back and cover our rear. He more stumbled than limped from wheel to wheel and Mac helped him along. Sina followed them. They reached Casper, who was still applying a pressure bandage over Gherkin's wound. Some gunfire rattled from the rear of the transport, Perkins doing his job. A moment later, three more team members appeared. Private Shiva on an injured leg, but he could walk on his own. Crisal and Bardini were by his side, two of Mac's loading specialists. Who do we have with us? Bristol asked. Mac looked worried. I am missing Hammer and Sims. They were checking the rear sensors when the mayhem started. Sina did a quick mental count. Gorsuch, last seen before the smoke in his driver cabin. Fenton's missing too. And in an afterthought. And Kimmich, he was in his jeep somewhere up front at the time of the attack. Bristol panted, clearly in big pain. Mac, Washington, get your troops collected. Time box your effort to three minutes, then come back here no matter what. He looked at Sina, clearly aware of the kid event. I mean it, Washington. You will be back here in three, no matter what. The living are more important than the dead. Sina swallowed, and nodded. Take weapons, ammunition, and water. Nothing else. What about our own team? Sina asked. His eye roamed the vicinity north of the transport. A variety of large rocks were located about a hundred yards away. I am the only one. The explosions threw me clear pointed towards a rock formation about 300 yards out in the desert. This is your fallback position. Gives cover from three sides, which is better than here. You get there, wait to see what develops. Time is on your side. Help will come. But your leg, Sina asked. Bristol looked at Sina with his serious eyes. I will not join you. I'll stay and give you cover. Only chance. Sina Swallowed again, nodded. Mag had listened to the exchange without comments and left to hunt down Hammer and Sims. Sina checked her own team again. Start building a stretcher or cut some tarp from the object's cover to be able to transport Shiva. He can walk, but we don't want to risk him stranded in the open field. We might need to travel a longer distance. Kasper, you'll help Gherkin to reach the new position. I'll be back in two minutes, otherwise start evacuation without me. The dark smoke had mostly vanished, but the acid stink was still in the air as Sina took a peek from between two MMTU units to check for the rest of the team. Seems she was lucky, after all. Gorsuch covered behind his driver's cabin, together with Kimmich. The lieutenant held his handgun by his side, Gorsuch's rifle and both peered over to the desert from where the fire was returned with alarming frequency. She climbed back down, made her way towards the driver cabin and then climbed up again. Friendly, she announced herself before showing herself. Sergeant, good to see you, Kimmick said tensely. What's the status? Bristol wants us on the left side and evacuate. Water, ammunition and weapons only. I was on the wrong side, didn't see much. Gorsuch and I just observed that the attackers are regrouping, Kimmich explained. Gorsuch asked, What about the transport? It will ground if we don't get going. Evacuation has priority, Major's orders. We need to make it over to that rock formation, she pointed north. Kimmich nodded but seemed distracted as if mulling over a problem. He looked towards the left side. Sina was already climbing down onto the cover between the wheels and stopped. Lieutenant? Kimmick held up his hand. Stop right there. Change of plans. We will move over to the right side and get off there instead. Gorsuch looked between Kimmick and Sina. I thought to the left, Lou? To underline his decision, Kimmick pointed his pistol at Sina. Sergeant, Do not let me repeat this order. The three of us do not regroup with the others, but we will move towards to the assailants. Sina was about to speak, but Kimmick did a small no-no with the gun. Thoughts raced through her head. Is this man crazy? He will kill us. Why surrender? We have no idea what we are up against. What was going on? Both of you, put your weapons down, including sidearms. Sina and Gorsuch did as told and raised their hands again. All three moved quickly over the small walkways towards the right side. Gorsuch in the lead, Sina in the middle, Kimmich with his gun behind them. Sina was worried that they would be under fire, but strangely enough, the shooting stopped immediately. Down the starboard ladder... Four civilians, armed to the teeth with a variety of weapons, came running, two of them immediately pointing guns at Gorsuch and Sina. My name is Smitty. Are you Kimick? A stocky little man with a moustache asked. Perhaps their leader? I'm at your service. Good job so far, Kimick gave a broad smile. Sina got weak knees. The broad smile, that was the real kimick had been the real Kimmich, whoever the real Kimmich was. What Sina had taken as Kimmich's over-his-head nervousness had been the inner tension of betraying his country. The lieutenant was a traitor. Who's the driver? Smitty looked between Sina and Gorsuch. Kimmich smiled. Both can master the units. Splendid. We need to keep the conversions quick. Four maximum, two drivers, two loaders, and be ready when the blankets lifted. Let's see whom Herbert has captured. Smitty looked behind him and saw another group walking up towards them from the rear end. In front were two familiar faces from Max's team. Hammer and Sims, hands lifted while they stumbled over the desert floor several times, covered by three civilians, again all clothes in these ridiculous business outfits. They saw Kimmick holding up the gun at Sina and Gorsuch, talking friendly with the bad guys, and their faces fell. Smitty, we got two loaders, the overweight, sweating man, who looked like an overworked manager, said. The whole scene was bizarre, the military personnel captured by a bunch of office drones. Smitty made introductions. Herbert, this is Kimmick, our army man. Herbert was our outside community minder for the last year, did all the local preparations leading up to today. Sina's eyes turned to slits. An inside man in the military, a brutal attack. What sort of conspiracy had they stumbled onto? All right, Smitty took command. Kimmick, Jana and I will take our guests to the tub. The rest of you reorganize in two teams. Team 1 attacks from the front, you have the burning vehicle Brax as cover. Team 2, you attack from the rear, we either need to kill the remaining team or drive them away from the transport, either way is fine. Kimmick leaned forward. Be careful, there is one remaining ranger, name of Bristol, the head of a former lot, extremely capable, even if injured. He fell back behind the transport before I could shoot him myself. Was he the one who killed Mrs. Franklin? Yeah, he was thrown clear from the explosion by freak chance, recovered immediately to fight back. He's injured, though. Poor Mrs. Franklin. Received a full burst, so much blood and damage. Never seen anything like it, Smitty said, as he was speaking about the quality of a prime cut steak. Herbert, as soon as you are in position, you squeeze them from two sides. Keep up a steady fire, they can't have much firepower left, and we have more than enough. And except for Bristol, all of them are logistic experts, not trained fighters. Kimmich pointed out, They are planning to fall back into the desert, so be ready for that. Mmm, Smitty mused. All right, Herbert, try to pick them off when they make their move, but don't endanger yourself by doing so. We need every convert in the next 12 hours. We just need to make sure that there's no interference. And by the time they make it into town, it won't matter anymore. Smitty turned to the group of guards and prisoners. Let's go. Rifles on them, the four prisoners, were led towards the stapled power line poles about 200 yards away. The last thing that Cena could overhear was Herbert's next question and Smitty's answer. How much longer? Smitty, glancing at his watch, Three more minutes, thank God for mechanical watches. Sina glanced at her raised left wrist for the first time since the attack had started. She wore a cheap old-style black Casio Baby G-Shock. Dead, too. But she understood now, this complete outage of anything electrical was controlled by the attackers. She recalled a James Bond movie, Or was it in one of those old terrorist series, 24, where the bad guys, too, had used some of electromagnetic pulse weapon to bring down a city? What the heck? Who were these people? The ground became barren and rough when they neared the stack of poles, and the walking became harder. The two minutes she had requested from her team were long up. Hopefully they had already started making their break from the rock formation. Had anyone noticed her captivity? Sina dared a look over her shoulder. The burning vehicle wreckages still produced lots of smoke, as did the burning helicopters. Six black fingers rising into the sky beside the white tarp-covered hill of the spaceship. Chapter 35 Leo Hands on the wheel and not a single word, or I swear I'll kill you right now, Leo shouted, waving the suddenly very heavy gun. He was totally unsure how much he meant of what he said. Nazi or not, Leo was a man of love and wit, not a man of murder and mayhem. A little command-and-conquer or fortnight were nice distractions every kill shot celebrated. Reality had turned out to be pretty gory, but the real deal seemed to be in the job description of his new girlfriend. Well, the very same girlfriend that lay stiff and useless on the road like a discarded store mannequin. The Nazi's hand crept back onto the top of the wheel Leo kept his eyes on the man, took the few steps towards Eva, kneeled, and touched her. She was rigid, her skin soft and warm, and the fall had not caused any injuries on her except for some scratched elbows and cheek. Her eyes were open, staring slightly sideways, frozen in the last look that she had given Leo a few moments before. Leo's thoughts raced. This was a nightmare. His killer girlfriend, after a bloody spree, was in some sort of seizure, right in front of a trunk filled with weapons. And he had countless bodies of drug dealers and Nazis at his feet and was the only guy with a gun in the neighborhood that probably was already counting the doses of crack they would receive as a bounty on his head. He imagined his head on a silver platter, for the Reichsführer or the sadistic cartel boss. Before, it was weak knees and hollow stomach, but now it was outright panic. All right, breathe, Leopold. It's like a data analysis of an unlabeled CSV file with unknown data, while your boss looks over your shoulder, because he needs the charts for a board meeting in 10 minutes. Step by step. You'll get through it, Eva, and you will get through it. Breathe, Leo. Hey, the Nazi called over. Shut up, shut up, Leo stuttered. You are lucky that hey does not qualify as a single word. I need to think, think. Think positive. Eva will come around again from whatever seizure she has. Only a matter of time. Time we need. She'll be mad at me if I lose the weapons and you don't want Eva mad. Leo wants to make Eva happy, very happy. The weapons are in the car. Eva is on the ground. Leo needs to take both the car and Eva away from here. Eva and the weapons will be with me and all the dead bodies stay here. Good plan. He breathed in and out several times glancing left and right to check what the creeps in the neighborhood were doing. A dog had come sniffing at the pool of the drug dealer's blood on the other street side and now was licking at it. But you still have one bloody Nazi to deal with. This is all straight out of a Tarantino movie. Kill him? Leo does not kill, even on a shitty day filled with zombified co-workers and a neighborhood killing spree. He kneeled again, gun aimed at the bad guy who was getting visibly restless. Hands where I can see them, 88. Leo grabbed under one of Eva's arms and tried to lift her up. Impossible. She wasn't too heavy at her size and shape, a little over 100 pounds, but for one arm, definitely too heavy. He got up and moved back to the car. All right, Adolf. I need your help and then maybe, maybe... I'll let you walk away from here without a hole in your forehead. Die, sucker! My crew will find you and skin you alive if the Mexicans don't find you first, which will be even worse. Leo shot once, the gun buckled in his hand, the lonely sound echoing through the neighborhood. Leo was surprised that the gun still was in his hand. The Nazi squealed, Are you mad? A hole had appeared in the rear side window a few inches from the man's head. Small reminder that I am as determined as my temporarily unavailable girlfriend. Step out carefully, hands visible at all times. Slowly grab and pull your three dead colleagues from the Camaro. Go, Himmler. The Nazi slowly did what he was told. It all seemed to take ages, especially because Leo had to make sure the Nazi did not grab one of the many weapons of his dead colleagues and made an attempt against Leo. The most difficult body was the guy from the rear. But in the end, it was done. A body-free car. The Nazi looked straight out of a Korean horror movie massacre scene, blood covering his arms and most of his clothes. Adolf, thank you so much. The Reich is proud of you. One more thing now and you can leave. Flatten the passenger seat of the Camaro and carefully lay my sleeping companion onto it. Adolf adjusted the seat under Leo's watchful eyes, walked over to Eva, tried several times to find the best way to get a hold. Hey, 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 no touchy-feely, Adolf. She's a classy lady, Leo said. Move your own bitch, the Nazi gave back. You really want me to lay her down into all that blood? Leo stepped closer and saw what Adolf meant. Good thinking, worth of an efficient mass killer. Any supreme white idea? Use the cardboard from the house entrance. The Nazi proposed and pointed slowly towards a discarded large box that had held an oversized flat screen TV. Good to see your head is not completely filled with this Nazi shit and drugs, Leo said. He threw over the switchblade knife, and took a step back, cut it into pieces and lay it onto the driver and passenger seat. The man did as told and improvised the new carton seat cover, threw the knife into the car, then turned to Eva again, grabbed her by the jeans belt and the thick leather jacket. It took a while, but eventually the manoeuvre was accomplished. All right, thanks MacGyver. See, I upgraded you from Third Reich to 80s TV. Now it's time for your daily jog, Leo pointed with his free arm down the road. The Nazi took some tentative steps. Leo wiggled with his gun once more and the man began to jog in the indicated direction and vanished around the next corner. Leo breathed out and looked around once more. This is scary. Nothing moves, nothing at all. No cars anywhere, no people, no noises. What is going on? Apocalypse comes early this year. He walked over to the Camaro's trunk, glanced at the huge collection of diverse weapons, countless carton boxes of ammunition, some open, some still sealed. He closed the trunk and passenger door and sat down behind the wheel. The cardboard protected his clothes from the gore, but the smell, ugh, well, it was only around the next block to his own car. Leo turned the key. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, not even a single light showing up on the dashboard. He tried frantically once more and hit the steering wheel. Eva out, the car out, this was the apocalypse. A noise beside the car let him turn his head towards the passenger seat window. Adolf stood with a gun, directly aiming at Leo's face. Persistent Nazi scum. CHAPTER 36 HERBERT Herbert worried about the news that one of the transport ranger's guards was still alive, and not any guard but the leader of the pack. Together with his three co-workers, they walked briskly along the transport's starboard side, moved around the back, and risked a look around the port length. A perfect situation to get killed. No one was in sight, but that meant nothing. The surviving group of guards, loaders and transporters were hiding in the jungle of the wheels, taking cover, just as Herbert's team did. A surprise attack from a hiding place was one thing, but doing wheel-to-wheel short-distance clearing was another. What do we do? Linnie asked from behind, no anxiousness in her voice, quite the opposite. Herbert could detect eagerness. How do I know I'm not a soldier, Herbert said. We don't see them. They hide between the wheels like we do. Linnie pointed towards the middle of the transport. We need to flush them out. I suggest we make our way to the middle of the transport. Good cover, good angle. Each of us positions at one wheel row. We move in sequence. When we draw fire, we start shooting back and give the side guys the opportunity to move closer by one wheel. Squeeze them back, wheel by wheel. She cocked her head at him and played with a strand of hair, blowing a chewing gum bubble at Herbert. He nodded at her. Good as it gets, Linny. Let's go. That little woman had turned out to be a gun-swinging killer bee. They walked with their heads low, crouched, weapons at the ready. Wheel row after row, they made it through the maze of giant tires. Surprise! No army contact at all. Where are they? Linny asked and glanced into the yellowish desert landscape from between two tires. Suddenly, a salvo of shots rang out from the desert, and everyone dove to the ground and rolled behind wheels. "'Anyone hurt?' Herbert shouted. Everyone checked in. No casualties, no injuries. "'I fucking swear I heard those bullets zipping by my head!' Linny cursed. "'Fighting against professionals maybe is not such a good idea. Let's wait until we move the ship. That has priority.' The conversions should be ready any minute, she glanced at her digital watch. Only a few seconds, more full blanket coverage. They stayed in position. The other Legion analytics team had to be on the front side, but apart from an occasional shot, nothing much happened. Now and then Herbert showed his face briefly, but he couldn't see anything. Linny, you're our best shot. Position yourself behind that wheel, find a good stabilizer for your gun, try to find a target and eliminate it. Second best thing today anyone proposed to me, Linny beamed at him, took her backpack as a gun rest and laid down. She peered through her scope. Another single shot rung out, dust sprayed up in front of her, a ricochet buzzing away. She rolled back behind the wheel. Someone over there can shoot! Herbert sighed again. I bet that was the ranger bastard. Chapter 37 Sina They had reached the destination, the pole stack. Gorsuch mouthed silently at Sina. What do they want from us? Something bad, Ivan. Any street fighting skills? Sina asked back. Are you kidding? he whispered. You're asking the man who invented the word peace. Hey, no talking. In theory, we only need one loader and one driver, so we can spare two, Smitty called over. Behind the pole stack, under a white desert camouflage canopy, stood a single white bathtub and various large plastic containers. A middle-aged lady in a purple knee-long skirt and a woodcutter pattern blouse was in progress, filling milky white fluid into the tub. The scene was surreal back on the highway all the carnage underneath the enormous object and here a regular woman in civilian clothes tinkering around like she was in her kitchen or garden ready in a minute dears the lady sang out and opened another canister to pour into the tub Sina felt helpless she was a transport expert and not a mean fighter like bristol she was unarmed, had no idea about hand-to-hand combat, and three weapons pointed at her. Still, she took her courage and spoke up. The army will come, be sure about that. They might, but we come prepared, and we won't need that much time to reach our objective. Smithy smiled and pointed at Gorsuch. You first, Private, undress. What? Gorsuch stared suspiciously at the bathtub and the milky fluid. Should I shoot the lady here? Smitty moved the gun at Sina's head. We just brought down all your military defenses, stopped your transport and killed your guards. One more body is not important to us, but you might like to keep your sergeant here alive. Undress. Gorsuch looked in panic between the gun smithy and sina private that is an order undress cena gave him a nod they were not in the position to negotiate with shaking hands gorsuch unstrapped his utility belt took off his shoes the shirt and his fatigue pants quicker underwear Gorsuch hesitated, looked at the women present and then followed through, covering as much nakedness as he could with his hands. From Smitty's pocket came an electronic beep-beep. He pulled out his mobile phone and his smile grew even wider. Just in time, the blanket is down for the agreed update. We need to speed up, the transport must continue. Kimmick got impatient. We need to hurry up here to get going. Into the bathtub, Gorsuch. The woman in the woodcutter-patterned blouse had positioned herself on the head end of the tub. What happens if I step in? Gorsuch squealed like a little kid. His teeth started to chatter despite the hot temperature. Just step in. It won't kill you, Smitty said. I promise that I will, however... Sina was pretty sure that the fluid's harmlessness was a blatant lie, or not the full truth. Maybe a bullet in the head was a better fate than what awaited them in the bathtub. Gorsuch carefully dipped one finger, smelled the fluid, found nothing offensive or dangerous, and slowly entered with feet first after one of the guards tapped him with a gun barrel. Another man came from the other end of the pole stack, carrying a different container, this time a large glass tube also filled with milky fluid. He uncapped it. Something green flashed, something ugly like a snake or an eel to disappear again. Ivan had not seen it from his angle in the tub, but Sina's arm's hair started to rise and she felt Hammer and Sims stiffen beside her. They had seen it, too. There was something alive in there. Jesus, Gorsuch, this is not good. The woman and the man got ready to pour the glass container content into the tub. Sina looked left and right in panic, but the gun-carrying guards were concentrating on the prisoners, not distracted by the strange ritual. Suddenly, her earpiece crackled and Bristol's voice came on. Sarge, tell me whom to shoot, now, now, now. The comm system, long forgotten as out of order since the beginning of the attack, but now back online. Sarge, can you hear? Glass container carriers! Sina spoke up without even thinking on automatic. Maybe Smitty as the renegade's commander would have been the better option, but the other guys were about to do something horrendous. Before Sina could even wonder if Bristol had heard her through the auto-response function, the woodcutter-pattern woman, holding the glass container, was killed by a well-placed volley of shots, followed by the tak-tak-tak sound of Bristol's rifle a second later. It was as if the woman's body was pulled back by an invisible rubber band, blood spraying in all directions. Gorsuch and the other glass pot carrier screamed from shock while they were in the middle of the bloody fallout. Sina did not think, simply acted and tackled Smitty with a headbutt into the stomach and shouted, Sims guard, in the hope that Bristol was still connected on the radio. The glass tube fell on the desert floor and the fluid spilled and with it some sort of Sina was struggling with Smitty, and only halfway registered the horrendous thing from the corner of her eyes. It flopped like a fish, but it looked like an oversized, monstrous, glean-slime slug, about two feet long and seven inches diameter, with four stubby, wiggling feelers on top, as alien as it could be. Alien, she thought, and suddenly... A lot clicked into place. She pinned Smitty down with all her might, while beside her Sim's guard turned towards the noise of the gunfire too. He, too, was hit by another three-bullet burst. This time Bristol's aim was slightly off, and the guard's left leg was cut away under him, followed by two shots into his guts. The man fell sideways in slow motion, screaming and screaming, his leg giving away. Max's two team members, Sims and Hammer, stood now uncovered and took the initiative to run away as fast as their legs would take them. Kimmick tackled Hammer from behind in a surprisingly agile move and brought him down. Gorsuch stood up and climbed out of the bathtub, fully naked, the other person's blood over his upper body, all modesty forgotten, ready to run, too. Sina still laid on top of the fallen smithy and fended off his fighting hands. She rammed her knee between his leg, the good old barb equalizer, and noticed something soft between her opponent's leg, some sort of cushion. She followed up with a second one, much harder than before. Despite the bolster, Smitty groaned and cringed on the ground. Bristol's voice in her earpiece. Sarge, make your break and run, run, run. I'll cover you. But what is it with you, woman? Bristol shouted inside her earpiece. Gorsuch and the others were Sina's continued thoughts. But then she followed orders. Another harder kick into Smithy's groin gave her necessary time to jump up and run towards the transport. Gorsuch had stopped running, staring agape at the cream-flopping uber-slug straight out of a horror sci-fi movie in the sand. Then he was forcefully pulled backwards by the remaining guard, tumbling into the tub with flailing arms. Ten yards away, Kimmick and Hammer still fought it out, the lieutenant clearly winning. Sims, already in a full-speed run, clear of the chaos, thirty yards ahead of Sina. Sarge, run, 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 Bristol repeated, a little stress creeping into his voice. Don't stop at the transport, pass it in front, left and continue. The others are already halfway towards the rock formation, run until you catch up. I'll give you guys cover until I run on empty. Smitty screamed out behind her. The driver! Secure the driver! Left, left, you're blocking. Bristol's earpiece voice commanded in an extremely quiet and deadly voice, and Sina hooked left just as Bristol shot a round of well-placed single shots, all intended to keep the opposition's head down. A quick look over her shoulder confirmed that Smitty had remained on the ground under cover. Sims, some steps ahead of Sina, stumbled over a rock and cried out in pain, clutching her tight. Don't dare to help her, Sarge, Bristol's dead, quiet voice hissed in her earpiece. Sina passed Sims and saw that her lower leg was twisted horribly and stuck halfway inside a rabbit hole. Sims cried, Oh God, oh God! and then Sina passed her, running and running. Bristol's shooting continued, and Sina crossed the road, ran between the burning wrecks of the guard vehicles. Don't stop, halfway there, Bristol urged her over the comm. She saw him under the cover of the power generator, his scope pressed at his eyes. What about you? Sina puffed by running, her lungs and legs burning. Shut up and run, lady, came back. I'll tell the kid hello from you. Sina almost stumbled at the mention of the kid. The last hundred yards towards her target were pure hell, every muscle and breath hurting. Bullets buzzed by near her, but she was already out of the effective rifle range. The thick bushwork already grew so high around her that she couldn't see the road and the MMTUs anymore. Only the white hump of the object, safe from a rifle scope. Friendly, friendly, Sina shouted, to avoid any misunderstandings, as she neared the rock formation and almost got a heart attack, when suddenly a camouflaged Casper appeared six feet beside her, behind a set of bushes. He was on one knee, and had his gun ready at the shoulder. No need to yell, Sarge, your breath rattles as loud as a tank. I had you packed all the way, he said. Go on, the others are behind the rocks. She stopped running, and with her last steps, breathing heavily, quickly walked up towards the rocks. It was a random assembly of giant gray boulders, twenty yards wide and ten feet high. A good, natural cover. She stepped around it, and there was the rest of the team. Baldini lay on a high, flat boulder, covering the long distance. The two injured members of the group lay in a small patch of shade that a north-faced overhang provided. We lost the others, Sina panted, her lungs heaving, sweat pouring from every single pore. Mac looked past her, and you made it. An unspoken, again, run in his words. A series of loud bangs, accompanied by increasing rifle fire, drifted over to their position. Grenades, Cena said. Mac talked into the tech channel. Major, still with us? Major, Mac asked into the ether. The radio remained silent. This is it for this week's edition of The Transport, the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by Alex Ames. If you liked what you just heard, leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast. If there are stars, star me, help me spread the good. And again, my shameless self-promoting plug, if you liked it so far, and can't bear the suspense, buy the book. If you can't bear the suspense, buy the book. And another shameless self-promotion, if you liked what you heard, and think that many of your potential customers might be listening to this podcast, too, feel free to contact me at alex.ames.writing at gmail.com. Or send me a private message on Twitter or Instagram at Alex Ames, writing one word. The middle section of this podcast could be reserved for you. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you. Take care. I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames. This was The Transport. Over and out.